Studiosity acknowledges the traditional Indigenous custodians of country throughout Australia and all lands where we work, and recognises their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to Elders both past and present. Welcome to this special episode of our podcast, released during NAIDOC Week. It's my pleasure to introduce three remarkable Indigenous academics and leaders in today's episode. I spoke to each individually, and this podcast brings together their collective views. In particular, I spoke about their own personal experience, what reconciliation means to them, and the impact of the voice on Australian society and Australian communities. So I'd like to uh, welcome Michelle Trudgett, Deputy Vice-Chancellor, Indigenous Leadership from Western Sydney University. Um, I've known Michelle for many years and have watched her career with interest and great joy at her success. Yeah, I'm, I'm Michelle Trudgett. First and foremost, I'm a proud Wiradjuri woman uh, born in Dubbo, New South Wales. I work at Western Sydney University in the position Deputy Vice-Chancellor Indigenous Leadership. I've been here for four years. Um, absolutely love this number one university in the world. Um, and it's it's I think my job in, encompasses everything Indigenous related in the in the institution, but I also have the luxury of contributing to the sector more broadly, which is um, very much a passion of mine. Um, what drives me? Um, I think having impact on people, having impact on our communities, um, seeing how I can influence change and um, bring about good things for people that's going to make a difference in um, not only their lives, but that for generations to come. I spoke with Professor Peter Radol from Victoria University. Okay, so yeah, I'm uh, Peter Radol. I'm a uh, professor of information technology uh, Deputy Vice-Chancellor at the uh, Victoria University. Uh, I'm an inner one man, so I come from the cold climate of uh, the top end of New South Wales, the, the, the high country New South Wales. So uh, that's where my people have come, come from. I've um, born in Tamworth uh, and I've spent a lot of time in Sydney, Tauri, Tamworth, Canberra, and now in Melbourne. I think the thing that drives me most is actually creating opportunities for uh, other people, particularly students uh, and staff and career development. It's a definite passion. Finally, I'd like to welcome Professor Cindy Shannon from Griffith University to the conversation. I'm delighted to be able to talk to you about this today. Um, as Judith said, my name is Cindy Shannon. I'm a descendant of the Nugi people from Kwandamuka country in southeast Queensland. And I've worked uh, in Aboriginal health and higher education for the last 30 years, spent uh, the first part of my career working uh, in, in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health and developing academic programs in that area and doing a lot of research um, whilst also serving on numerous advisory committees and policy committees and boards. And um, then in the, the last 10 or so years, I've been more in executive roles at uh, University of Queensland and now at Griffith University. So I'd like to start by celebrating the achievements and leadership of my guests today. Each of them have a unique journey in their careers, but are all driven by a passion and a genuine desire to do as much good as possible and to make positive change to the lives of students. Look, I 
love being an Indigenous leader. I think it's a big responsibility, um, you know, to carry, and it's one that I don't take lightly. I think, and nor do, you know, any of my Indigenous um, colleagues that are in leadership positions. What we've got around the sector and the calibre of Indigenous leadership these days is absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, we do stand on the um, shoulders of giants that have really done the hard yards to pave the way for us to be in the seats that we are at today. Um, I think that being a, a woman in this position, um, you know, is, is interesting. <laughs> um, in itself, um, I, I think, you know, we we come to any position, regardless of who we are, whether we're identified as being female or Indigenous or whatever, we come with our own lived experiences. And I often tell people that what is seen as perhaps a disadvantage or a deficit by others should actually be flipped on its head. And it's what makes you unique or it, it's what makes you special, and it's that that then you turn into a strength. Um, so I think that being Indigenous, being a woman, are absolutely strengths. Um, they're strengths that I like to, you know, draw upon on a daily basis, um, you know, and when we look around boardrooms in Australia, we often, too often, happen to see older white men. Um, it's true from university, you know, sec the higher education sector. It's true of, you know, um, the top um, companies in the, in the country, financial companies and so on. And I think that what I bring and what others, um, female Indigenous leaders bring is we don't reflect that. We don't reflect the same. We don't re reflect the status quo. And as such, we actually come with a unique skill set um, to offer that is actually quite different to many of the other people sitting around that boardroom table. And just recently, in, and I don't know if this is completely public, even though I put it out on LinkedIn just recently, is that the Vice Chancellor has asked me to play the role of Deputy Vice Chancellor Indigenous Equity and Inclusion um, after having another role. So my old portfolio no longer exists. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he's asked me to actually uh, focus on uh, First Nations outcomes here at Victoria University. So the so council's made a commitment. Uh, the vice chancellor has recognised that we could, uh, you know, there could be some, uh, we could do better uh, in this space. And he's asked me to actually uh, um, take on a new portfolio and, and go our hardest to actually make a better place and a, and a, a stronger focus on First Nations education research and engagement, and particularly the Aboriginal History Archive here as well with Gary Foley. Gary Foley's collection is here at Victoria University. So, so I think um, we could improve, but the announcement of my new role is definitely going to shift the dial significantly as a Deputy Vice Chancellor focusing on uh, Indigenous uh, aspects and inclusion and belonging as well. So, uh, sorry, yeah. Um, equity and inclusion as well. So it's going to make a real strong focus. I'm Professor Cindy Shannon from Griffith University. And for me, and I told this story this morning, given the theme this year, it made me think about my earliest memory of my, my Aboriginal grandmother, 
who was a very traditional woman. And I remember, I think I was in grade one or just around that age. One day there was a knock at our door. She lived in a caravan not far from us. And she jumped in a cupboard, literally. And I said, Graham, what are you doing? And she said, you can't let anyone see your black grandmother. And I spent a lot of my childhood thinking it was a, it was a shame to be black. But I realised, and a lot later, she was terrified of us being taken, of mixed marriage in an era when that was the norm. And um, I said today she gave voice to us and my mother did and I reflect on the work she did in reconciliation and, um, and it, it, you know, how I can and have been, I hope, a voice for future generations because every job I've had in the last 30 years, I've been the first one to ever occupy that job. Indigenous or non-Indigenous, and there's absolutely nowhere to go. Um, and there's a lot of lessons I've learned, but I hope that those who come after me, um, I have been a voice for in some small way. All three university leaders generously shared with me what reconciliation looks like for them, both personally and professionally in their institutions. Yeah, I think um, reconciliation, to be honest, Judith, is a really interesting notion. Um, I think originally when it was established, it was designed to bring Indigenous and non-Indigenous people together um, with a vision of moving forward, um, you know, together. And, and that's great. That's great. But I think that sometimes um, uh, missions and visions get lost in rap plans, to be honest. Um, so when I started at Western Sydney University, we didn't have a rap and we didn't have an Indigenous strategy. And I thought long and hard about which direction I wanted to take the university um, because I, I don't necessarily think that institutions need both because they're essential, similar driven documents. Mm -hmm. um, but I went for an Indigenous strategy as opposed to a wrap um, because it signified that we then had embedded strategic commitments that had gone through a number of governance, number of bodies, um, and that everybody could get on board with. One thing I've learned is that reconciliation can be somewhat contested by many members of the Indigenous community. Um, I have some staff members that actually won't go to reconciliation events um, because they believe that they've got nothing to reconcile. And it's that sort of tension that I think can sometimes be a little problematic. Um, so for me, I um, strongly encourage across our university uh, people in campus provost positions, so the leaders of our campus, to really drive the reconciliation events. And they, of course, get support from my office. Um, and, you know, we go along to whatever we can and support them. Um, but with NAIDOC Week, for example, that's driven by my office. So we're responsible for ensuring that a full program is um, embedded across the university, across different campuses, and that there's lots of activity there. I think it's gonna be different in every context, Judith. I think if, um, you know, so from my perspective, it's gonna be different for health, for example, you know, you know, if we can get, yeah, you know, if we can get the health outcomes under control, right? If we can, I know that's sort of the close the gap sort of initiative, but if we can get the health outcomes under control, yeah, you know, stop, you know, shorten the um, uh, the death gap. If 
you like. Um, in you know things like reducing the incarceration rates. Um, if you, I mean, there's so much. I mean, and in the higher education sector, um, you know, the nine-year completion rate for non-Indigenous students, or for all students, if you like, is 74%. But the nine-year completion rate for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students is only 47%. Uh, so 53% of Indigenous students who start a degree never complete. Not to say they don't go on to university later on in life or go off and have a great career in some other way or a startup or whatever it might be. But the reality is that 53% of those who start never finish. So for me, reconciliation would be, in the practical sense, addressing those um, really big gaps in what, what we see across our, our sector and our society. It's just, you know, you know, while we can talk and, you know, have initiatives and all these wonderful opportunities, um, you know, reconciliation is not going to be settled until some of those really, you know, long-term issues are addressed. Um, one of the things, and some people get this and some people don't. So one of the things um, that some non-Indigenous people think is that reconciliation is an Aboriginal thing and that somehow the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community has got to come 90% of the way uh, in terms of um, on the journey, when really, um, if you look at it very pragmatically, it's, it's kind of the other way around. Like the non-Indigenous community should come 90% this way and we should go 10% that way. Um, but I tend to go 50-50 because yeah, at least that sounds like equality. But the reality is, is that most, I wouldn't say most, but there's a lot of non-Indigenous people think um, that reconciliation is an Aboriginal thing and it, it probably doesn't, they probably don't have to do, do much or don't have to have an impact or as long as it doesn't affect them, they're okay sort of thing. But it's really important that we have strong allies. And look, they're everywhere. I mean, we have really strong allies. Things have really moved along. So, and I, you know, some examples, like I, I sit on the board of the uh, Smith family, for example, um, and the people who drive reconciliation in the Smith family are, the, are the, not, not Indigenous exactly. Uh, it's not the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff. And there's a, an Aboriginal advisory body that helps with the process as well. So, so yeah, they get it. Not everybody sees that process as being a non-Indigenous process. A lot of people think it's an Aboriginal process. But like I say, there, there are bit pockets that are shifting their ideas and are really understanding and owning that process and say, you know what, you've, you've suffered enough, you've, you've carried the load, if you like, the cultural load enough for so long, how about we, we help you along the journey now? And, I've, and that, that's my happy space really there. So for me, reconciliation is about working together. And, you know, really put simply, um, you know, there, there's various definitions of it. It's, it, it is acknowledging and recognising Australia's past and valuing, I think, the, uh, the Indigenous history of this country and the, the richness of it. But going forward, and I, I take a very forward-looking approach and a very strengths-based approach, and I fundamentally believe that most people in Australia want reconciliation. And, and how I facilitate that working together is a, a thing I take very seriously. So in the higher education sector, 
this is no longer about having Indigenous units doing Indigenous work in universities. It's about them being it being embedded in everything we do. And us, I think the transformational change we can make by giving everybody voice and empowering and supporting everybody to, to have that voice it, it is what we should be aspiring to do. Um, if you could tell higher education leaders one thing about reconciliation, what would it be? That it starts at the top. They, they, that leadership is critical in this journey and uh, having been in the position for three quarters of my career where it's my job to lead the Indigenous initiatives, that that is not what reconciliation is about. In July 2023, these conversations inevitably touch on the voice to Parliament referendum coming later this year. I'm grateful that Michelle and Peter articulated their opinions about the up-and-coming referendum so thoughtfully. All universities represented here have made very supportive public statements about The Voice. Look, I think The Voice is really interesting. Um, I'm watching it on a daily basis. We're taking a position at Western Sydney University that it's about educating our staff and our um, students and broader community to have as much information as possible at hand so that then they can make the best decisions for themselves, their families, their communities, and of course, the nation more broadly. Um, so we've done things like all staff webinars, we've developed a um, voice or a statement library guide where we host a number of resources from newspaper articles to television shows and um, so on. And we have, you know, social justice network event will take place soon. We're doing a second all-staff webinar on it. So there's lots and lots of things happening. It's all about information dissemination as opposed to actually telling people how they should vote. Um, I think that individuals can certainly stand up and say, I'm going to vote in a certain way. Um, I, and I encourage that when, when people want to do that. Uh, but we've also got to be mindful that a good section of our university community um, are on the no side or on the undecided side, um, and we have to think strategically um, and uh, ethically at the same time about how we take their viewpoints into consideration while trying to move the country forward at the same time. So that's, that's quite the challenge, um, I think, for us. I, I'm aware that, you know, every single person um, that's registered to vote, and I think that's something like 17 million people um, in the country, need to go to the polls later in the year and make a decision. And I want our people at Western Sydney University to make that decision feeling as though they've got the information that they needed in order to um, feel like, uh, you know, their, their decision is informed and that they can stand by it. My view is that The Voice is um, a fantastic opportunity for reconciliation. I, I, can't, I can't see, um, it's one of those practical things, I can't see anything wrong with The Voice. I think The Voice is an opportunity uh, to have an input. It's a very passive voice and this is one of the things that, you know, I've, I hear back pushback from in terms of the Victorian context. Uh, it's, even though it's a passive voice, it still is a voice uh, that we can make recommendations to Parliament and to the executive government 
on policies associated with our communities. Now, this is not without precedent, by the way. Um, we did have ATSIC before that, and before ATSIC, there was the National uh, Aboriginal uh, Education Committee, and there was other, the old NAC as well. So there's lots of, there's been iterations of um, the voice, if you like, um, to Parliament previously. Uh, they've all been legislated, and the only difference between this one uh, we're talking about at the moment, the months previous ones, is this one we're hoping to get into the Constitution uh, to make it a firm voice. So that's going to be there forever in recognizing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I love uh, to, to quote uh, my Vice Chancellor, Adam Shoemaker. Um, he, I think this is a great quote. He goes, it, it, Wouldn't it be better to have a bridge to somewhere than a chasm to nowhere? And I love that quote because it really, it really, um, you really envisage what that might look like. Uh, uh, well, both options, the, the bridge to somewhere, but the chasm to nowhere. And uh, you can actually visualize both of those and you think, well, a bridge to somewhere would be much nicer than a chasm to nowhere. Um, because we've, we've spent it, you know, hundreds of years uh, with a chasm to nowhere. Uh, this is a bridge to somewhere and it's not just a bridge to somewhere it's a bridge to the truth-telling process it's a bridge to uh, a treaty process and that may be another two or three generations but it will come um i do i do think but you know it's a really practical reconciliation uh, opportunity but i do think that at the federal level it's much more difficult uh to actually enshrine and a, a treaty process or the voice because the constitution, you know, and it's so easy to sow doubt in people's minds. And then there's all these conspiracies and so on and so forth. Uh, I think um, that with the um, fingers crossed that the voice gets up, things would be really important because those health and education policies and having the input is really important. But I do think uh, it's the states and territories that will actually bring the treaty process to fruition. Uh, they'll bring it together. So, you know, states and territories, you see them in South Australia, um, you see the voice to parliament in South Australia, I know that New South Wales is on the on the, on the the path as well. I know that Queensland government, ACT have been talking, ACT government's been talking about the treaty process for some time as well. So I think the states and territories will bring treaties uh, rather than the federal government, but the voice is going to be really, really important. Uh, for policies uh, such as health and education to try to address those long-term systemic challenges that we've had in our communities. Thank you for joining me today and hearing from these three accomplished colleagues, all generously sharing their experiences. I hope you'll take the time to have more conversations yourself with friends, family and community this week and ongoing. Until next time. You have been listening to Studiosity's podcast, Reimagining Higher Education, candid conversations within higher education, sharing stories of leadership, change, and best practice in teaching and learning. Visit studiosity.com 